Well, are you guys ready for the word? Woo! Let me tell you a little bit about this young man that you see here, other than his fancy haircut and boots. Um, years ago, several years ago, uh, Brother Hagen used to make a statement. He said, you need to find your company. And I needed to run around with people who I knew were faith and word and Holy Ghost people. But I wanted to grow a church, and I did too. And the only one I could think of was, was Mark Hankins, and I met him down in Kissimmee, and, and I started going to his meetings. Well, the young man tonight, Caleb Moran, is Mark Hankins' son-in-law, married into the family. So he's got a different set of problems than we all do, because if you're in the Hankin family, that's another ball of wax. But anyway, last year when I went, Caleb got up and started talking about church growth, and I was very, very impressed with the maturity in this young man and the things that he knows and where he's walked with God. And he has a network. He may tell you about it. But um, Justin and I and Lisa have been, um, have been working on this church just to, to make the upgrades, make the changes, because uh, we still have a vision. We still have a vision to take the city. And so, um, so anyway, without any more further ado, let's welcome Caleb Moran up here. Give him a hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Man, I am honored to be here. You may be seated. Uh, why don't we, um, I know usually in October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and, you know, November we give thanks for people and our families, but how many you know one of the greatest gifts you can have is a pastor in your life? Can we just honor your pastors for just a moment for 30 years of ministry? Amen. Come on. Praise God. Amen. I tell you, many of your lives would not be where they are today without the people that God has placed to speak into your life. And so I consider it an absolute honor to stand in your pulpit. Uh, I don't just give my pulpit over to anybody, and uh, so it's an honor for me to be able to stand here and, and speak to your sheep and the people that God has entrusted to you, and I know, I can, I can always walk into a church and just listen and watch how people worship, and that is a sign to me how they're going to eat when I preach the word, and I can tell y'all came hungry tonight, amen? So if you don't mind, I'd like to just prepare our hearts with prayer, and we'll get into tonight's message. I believe it's, it's a message for you. But I believe it's a message for this church. And how many know that's you, right? Amen. So let's pray. Father, we ask you tonight that your spirit be the only words that we hear, the only authority in which is speaking tonight. God, I just submit myself as an instrument, as a, uh, a team member on your team. Use me tonight to speak a word that you'd have every ear to hear. God, I know there's people watching online, those that will listen to this message, but those that are here in this room, God, I believe this message tonight is tailor-fit, custom-designed for each and every person, and so we just believe that tonight we receive the word, that it's rooted and grounded in our hearts, and we've got fruit coming, that this word will bear much fruit, signs following this word, in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, you can go with me to Isaiah. As your pastor was saying, I am so honored and privileged to be in the network that I'm in uh, under the covering of pastors Mark and Trina. And so we, we all, uh, your pastors and my wife and other pastors, we all get together a few times a year. 
And uh, we hear from our pastors, and we rub elbows, and we pray together, we dance together, we shout together, we give together, amen. But more than anything, we fellowship. How many know it's important who you're around? It's very important who you're around. And so, you know, as, as we all know, we're approaching the closing of a year. 2018 is almost over. But that being said, before we go into a new year, we want to make sure we go into a new year not repeating things we shouldn't repeat. Right? If it's going to be new, let's just let it be new. So going into a new year, we want to set ourselves up for success, not just repeat. And too many people repeat the, the things in their lives because until you make a change, how many of you know you could leave your job today, but it's still you that goes to the new job? And if the issue is you, you're going to be an issue somewhere else, right? Uh, over the course of, of my life and, and our ministry, I've continued to work with drug addicts and people uh, who've come out of addictions and lifestyles like that because that's the life I came out of. God radically changed me, saved me, and uh, set me on a course that, that I'm able to still go back where I came from, amen, and bring people where I am. So one thing I, I noticed with addicts is they always run. They say, well, I got to get out of this town. I got to get out of this job. I got to get away from these people. I got to get out of this relationship. The problem is they left a group, but they took themselves with them. And so if you've got an issue, that's who we got to fix. And so I'm not telling you tonight you got issues. Because I know tonight I'm, I'm talking to some of the best people, some of the greatest church members, Holy Ghost field, right? Word of faith people. I know you got everything going for you and God is for you, not against you. But I do know that God has more. And so even if, if the blessings are amazing, how many know there's always more available? So we don't want God just to repeat just the things he's already done. We want to walk into some new things. We want to see God do some new things. So go with me in your Bibles tonight to the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. I want to preach a message to you entitled, The Threshold of What's to Come. The threshold of what's to come. You know, sometimes we can't go forward in things because we're holding on to something from the past. Now, I, I, even in your car, you, you, can't, you can't go and drive if you've got it in park. I know this sounds simple, but it's the truth. You, you, have you ever tried, maybe you were at Starbucks and you pulled up to the window and, and you got your coffee, but you forgot you put it in park. So you say, thank you, have a nice day. And then you hit the gas, and all you hear is, right? And that's it. Why? You're not going anywhere. You've got the car. You've got the gas. You've got the battery. You've got the key in there, right? You're in there. Your seatbelt's on. The radio's there. Power, you know, steering. You've got everything that that car that was designed to go has. The only problem is you're not in gear. And I think a lot of Christians, not you because you're amazing, <laughs> but a lot of Christians, they have everything, power steering, right, power windows and locks, alarm systems, Bluetooth, they've got the, you know, the weather tech floor mats, they got everything they need to, to look like a Christian, but when it comes to direction, they're, they're not going very far because they're in park. And so what happens with Christians is we have to learn to live and operate in the right tense. I know your pastors feed you well, and so I know you understand what I mean when I say tense. When you're, when you're looking at the present tense, it's not what's going to happen tomorrow. And a lot of times we call it faith 
we're believing God for something, which is actually, that's where you use your faith. But the Bible says, and I'll show you in a moment, that faith is not one day. Faith is not someday. Faith is not, I hope eventually it'll happen. Faith declares, faith determines, faith believes it is now. Amen. And so in Isaiah 43, the prophet is speaking, but really it's God talking. That's what he says in verse 18. He says, but forget all that. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, forget all that. He says, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Now tonight, I believe this is God talking to you. God is telling you tonight, forget whatever happened in 2018. And my God, forget whatever happened in, in whatever year you're stuck on. Some people are stuck in 1978. Some people are stuck in 2005. I don't know what your year is, but you need to forget about it. Right? If we were in New York, we'd say forget about it. Right? You, you, you need to forget all that. That's what he said. And why? He says because it's not even comparable to what's coming. One of the reasons why we don't anticipate what's coming is because we meditate on what already came. We've got to have an anticipation on what's to come, not just an obsession on what's already happened to us. I love what Oral Roberts said years ago. He said, never park by your successes and never park by your failures. Too many people are living in the glory days of high school when they made that touchdown, right? <laughs> or when... when when they, ran, when they ran that 100-yard dash or whatever their time was, right, they're living in the glory days, and they'll tell you about it all the time, right? Holidays come around, and that same uncle tells you the same story every year about what he did. But how many of you know there has been a day since then, and there will be more days since those days? And after tonight, today's gone. Tomorrow is ahead of us, but we've got to understand, he said, you're going to have to forget about those things. He said in verse 19, for I'm about to do something new. Come on, it's like he's telling you, it's, it's already in the works. I'm about to do this, right? I'm about to do something new, and he says, see, I have already begun. He's asking you if you can actually see what he's already been working. That means there's a set of eyes we've got to learn to look through that go beyond these eyes right here. So he says, one, you got to forget about something. So you got to disengage this brain here. And you've got to, what Paul said, the eyes of your understanding, the, the spirit eyes. You've got to see something. He says, I've already begun. I'm already making it happen. He says, do you not see it? He's actually questioning us. Do, do you not have the vision to see this? And some people sadly don't. Some people don't see things. You ever tripped on something and you said, I didn't see it. I didn't know it was there, right? In Texas, we use the term, if it was a snake, it would have bit me, right? I didn't know it was right there, right? Do, do you not see it? And, and God's saying, don't you see? I've got something new prepared for you. I mean, it's right here. Don't you already see it? And, and sometimes you're looking at, at people, you're going, don't you see? Right? Like, I got five kids. And so sometimes, yes, thank you, Lord, pray for me. So, sometimes I want to go, do you not see? Right? Like, did you not hear? Right? Like, I've already told you. Right? And you're like, it, it, how do you not see this? How did you do that? 
Like, I thought I raised you better, right? And here's the prophet saying, do you not see it? And look at what he goes to say. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. I mean, I understand if he goes, see, I already made a pathway over there. Just go that way. He said, no, I can take an impossible scenery, an impossible scenario, an impossible area or situation. And he said, and I'll just make a pathway. In the wilderness, in a place where you feel lost, in a place where you feel confused, in a place you don't know how to navigate in, and you can't see what's ahead of you. He said, I'll make a pathway there. Look what he says here. I will create. Mm. I'll create rivers in dry wasteland. He said, I'll create it. So not only did he say, I'm doing something, but he said, if where I have for you and where you're headed, if there's something that's needed when you get there, I'll create it. A lot of times we say things to God like, God, when you do it, I'll go. Like we say things like, I'll believe it when I see it. But really, you'll see it when you believe it. That's, that's the truth. That, that's faith, right? So he says, I'll create rivers. Come on, you got a river creating God. You got a pathway making God. Look what he says in the message translation. He said, forget about what's happened Don't keep going over old history. Don't keep going over old history. How many of us, and you don't have to raise your hand because I know it's not you. Y'all are amazing. But somebody in the world has gone over some old history, right? I mean, mean, we've got classes at school that test you on old history. People make it their profession to learn old history. I'm not against that, but, but Isaiah is telling us, Quit going over old history. Come on, husbands and wives. Have you, have you, have you ever had that conversation? Come on. Have they ever said or were you the one that said, you've been doing this for 12 years? This seems to be the 15th time this has happened and we keep rehearsing it and keep going over it. And actually we expect it to happen. Because it's the pattern of our lives. That's why he said, I got to take this wilderness area and I got to make a new path for you. In order for you to have something new, God says, I'm going to create a new pattern for you. A new path for you. A new threshold for you to cross over. Amen. So he says, don't keep going over old history. But then he tells us, be alert. Be present. Now, be present is not just in attendance, like, oh, I'm here. (laughs) Right? You know, teachers go, uh, they call your name and you say, present. Right? He's not just saying be in attendance. He's also saying know what tense you're going to live in. Be present. Be now. This is happening now. Not one day. Not eventually. He says, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Come on, brand new. Can we just for a moment in our minds just say, God, I'm here and I'm believing right now. The brand new is happening. Come on, I believe you're doing something brand new. Come on, you may be having some old stuff, 
Old history, old problems, same scenarios, year after year, month after month, season after season. Right? I know people, they say, oh, it's getting cold. Get ready. My bones are going to do this. Right? Get the Zyrtec. My nose is going to do this. We just, we, we prepare for it. We expect it. What is that? Old ways, old things, old history. He says, no, I'm about to do something brand new. See, we're not called to live in the past. The Bible says we're called to live in the present, which is in the now. That's where Hebrews 11.1 1 comes in. Now faith is. Now. See, hope believes, it's a confident expectation that it will happen. But when your hope and your faith collide, whoo, come on, just imagine on the road tonight, here's hope and here's faith, and boy, they're just going right at each other. And when those two collide, he says substance and evidence is the aftermath. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. He said it's the evidence of things not seen. That's why Isaiah says, do you not see it? There's an unseen realm. There's an unseen thing that God wants you to see. He didn't say I'm hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you. And so faith has a way of seeing into things where other people through intellect and analyzing, reasoning, can't figure it out. But faith can look at a situation, look at a person, look at a marriage, look, look at a problem and say, no, I see this thing turning around. Amen. Listen, you may have started 2018 thinking, oh, it's going to be great. And maybe it has been, or maybe it didn't. Right? Maybe you started on the treadmill and found yourself back on the recliner. <laughs> I don't know how it happened for you. But I can tell you this. If you can believe that something new is available, then in that belief, your faith can begin to see it. And when you begin to see it, now your hopes, people say, don't get your hopes up. Get your hopes as high as you can get them. Because when your hope gets up there, now your faith has something to go hunt. Come on, yeah, I don't know if y'all like to hunt. I know your pastor does, but but in in about a week, I'm going hog hunting in in South Texas. Whoo, man, I got enough bacon for the whole community after this is over. But, but in hog hunting, different ways you can hunt hogs, but one of the ways you can hunt hogs is with dogs. And we don't hunt them that way. We do thermal night scopes, and it's, oh, man, it's amazing. It's, it's like a video game. But anyways. <laughs> but what, what you got out there is a hog. That's the goal, right? That's what you want. And then here you've got a dog. And it's kind of like hog is the hope and dog is the faith. And when you can let that faith go... That, that faith is trained to sniff out whatever you've been hoping for. It's trained to find the things you've been expecting. So here you are believing God for a miracle in your finances or in your health or in a relationship or a child or a job, whatever it may be. And so hope is out there. You've been believing. But at some point you say, hold up a second. I got my faith ready. And you just say, sickle. You, you, just, you just let it go. You just release it. Amen. And you'll find yourself tomorrow morning eating some bacon and some backstrap. Woo, chicken fried backstrap. You're ready to go, right? 
Why? Because you got what it was you were believing for. God wants you to have that bacon. Amen. Or whatever it is you believe in God for. Unless you're against bacon. But he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. He says, the evidence of things not seen. So in order to live in the now, we have to stop living in the past. You can't take care of today by focusing on yesterday. Now, we can learn from yesterday, right? The thing about failure, failure is a phenomenal educator. But what failure should not be to you is an identity. Yes, you failed, but that was an event. That was not an identity. So we dust off and we go forward. We learn from it. We use it as a, as a if I fail, I fail forward, right? I'm going to learn from this, this mistake. I'm going to learn from this setback. And I'm going to uh, rely on God's grace. I'm going to see where I erred in my ways. And I'm going to go to God's word. And I'm going to build myself up on my most holy faith. I'm going to use the tools God's given me, the Holy Spirit, the greater one, the word of God, the scripture, my confession, my seed, whatever it may be. And I'm going to go forward, right? And so you look at the word of God and you have to understand that we have to leave the threshold of what's happened. Come on. Things have happened. And we've got to cross over the threshold of what's to come. Now, a lot of people hear the word threshold and they, they, they understand what it means. But really, you have crossed many thresholds just today and didn't even recognize it. There was a threshold in those two doors you walked over. See, I used to do construction. I actually installed thresholds. And after a while, they meant nothing to me. It was like, oh, my dad would say, hey, go in there. I need you to put six thresholds down. Yes, sir, done. Right? But there was one threshold that was very memorable to me. That was when I married my wife, and I carried her over the threshold of our first home. Now, I had walked through thresholds all the time. I mean, I walked through them in restaurants. I walked through them in hospitals, doctors. I walked through them at school. I walked through them at work, and it didn't mean anything to me. But this threshold had a, a lasting impact. Why? Because this meant not only was this a house, but this was me walking into something new that God had for me. Something I was going to be able to have a, a part in creating something that had never existed before. Now, I didn't know what all was in store for me. I, I didn't know the challenges, right? I didn't know the discussions, the, the, the learning curves and, and all those things. But, but I was willing to step over anyways because I believed this was what God had. And I'm telling you, there is a threshold that God has for you that although maybe you've crossed over in years before. Yes, you, you, you made it through 2015 and 2016 and, and 17 and here's 18. But I believe that there's something coming. That the Bible says he's already begun it. That as we cross over, this threshold is something new that you've got to anticipate, you've got to expect, you've got to be happy about, excited about. Because what you're going to walk into is greater than anything you've walked out of. Amen. 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 And so, again, you've got to leave the threshold of what's happened in order to cross over to the threshold of what's to come. So, yeah, it happened to you. And listen, there's things that happened to us we had no control over. Right? You didn't, you didn't ask for that. There's things that happened to us that, that somebody, maybe it was, it was their decision, it was, it was their wrongdoing. But today, 
This is you walking out of that and saying, I'm not going to let that dictate. I'm not going to let that be the thing I focus on. My identity is not found in what happened to me. My identity is found in what happened to Christ. And in Christ, I have the ability to walk free today and to step over into something new. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul, I believe he knew how to do this very well. Matter of fact, he says it, he describes it in the third chapter of Philippians. In verse 13, he says, brethren, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward. Come on, reaching forward to those things or to what lies ahead. The Living Bible says, I'm bringing all of my energies to bear on this one thing. Come on, you ever had to focus on one thing? Come on, I love it. Yeah. Now, I got five kids, and they want me to focus on a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean a lot of stuff. And one day, it's dawned on me that my five kids are going to have kids, and I may have 25 grandkids. <laughs> and that's going to be crazy, right? It'll be fun. But to focus on one, right? So Paul says, out of all the things that have happened in my life, and all the things that have happened to me, I mean, the man has been through some stuff. He says, I'm bringing all of my energies, I'm focusing everything in on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, one thing that, that I understand in leadership and in raising leaders, and I work with businesses, I work with churches, we have to come in and we have to address, we can't address everything. What we can talk about is this one thing. So here I am working with restaurant owners, I'm working with car dealerships, I'm working with banks, I'm working with lawyers, I'm working with construction people, I'm working with churches. And, and, and all of it has many issues. You come deal with a marriage, you come deal, I, I, right now I'm in the middle of a situation with a daughter who's 40 something years old, she's been a heroin addict for over 20 years. Uh, the mother comes to me and she's talking to me about her daughter and, and she says, my daughter's 40 and she's on heroin and I don't, even, I, don't, I don't even know this mom. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, with all due respect, I don't know you, I don't know your situation, but I can tell you what's going on here. You're the problem. <gasps> I'm the problem. It's my daughter. She's 40 and on heroin. I said, I bet, I bet she lives with you. Well, yeah, she lives with me. And I bet her boyfriend lives with you. Well, yeah, he lives with me. And I bet they don't have jobs. Well, no, they can't because the addiction. And I bet you don't have a job because they're your job. Well, yeah, I can't go to work and leave them home. And, and I said, you know, this probably started when she was 13 or 14. Because although you want her clean, you've enabled her to stay dirty. You've enabled her to stay addicted. And until you see there's got to be a change there, we got to bring all of our focus not to just heroin, we got to stop the enabling of that lifestyle, right? Because, yeah, we can get the boyfriend out the picture, and, yes, we can go get her a job, but still, heroin's not the issue. The issue is what, what she's using heroin for. 
what's leading her to that? Right? Because heroin, we can get rid of that, but then it's going to become crystal meth. What is it that's leading us? We got to focus all of it. Paul said, I'm not focused on what I did. I'm not focused on what's been done. I'm not even focusing on, on, on all the other things that could be done. What, what I am focusing on is I've got to stop thinking about what happened. And i got to realize there's more in store that God has for me. Amen. And so he talked about energy. You know, it takes a lot of energy to, to focus on the past. It takes a lot of energy to be offended, to nurse a grudge, to keep record of wrongdoing. I mean, my Lord, the energy that it takes to keep reminding people that they keep messing up. Right? I mean, to keep log of that. Do you ever remember in junior high or high school, the hall monitor, that every time you were in the hall, they would, and it was a student, they'd go, oh, here you are. And the third time, I'm like, why aren't you in class? How did, how did you get out of class, right? But, but there's people that, that have all this energy that's working against them rather than for them. And Paul said, no, man, we're going to forget this stuff. And look what he says in verse 14. I press toward the goal for the prize, he said, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. One translation says I strain. That's some energy. You ever strain a muscle? That means for you to go where God has for you to go, it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to take some pressing. It's going to take some straining. It's going to take some focus. But God said, if you come up to a wilderness, hey, I'll make a pathway. If you come up to a dry wasteland, man, I'll put a river there. I'll create it. I'll do whatever you need to fund what it is I've called you to do. I'll help you in whatever capacity you need help to get where I've called you to be. All you got to do is press and strain and focus and be willing to forget what's behind and keep going. Message translation says, I got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. God is beckoning. That means God's ahead of you already. Saying, come on, come over here. Come on, you can do it. Come on. Just like me as, as a parent, sometimes I'm already in the pool, right? And then here's my kid on the side of the pool scared, and I'm going, no, no, just jump. Come on, I'm already in here, and water's fine. I'm going to catch you. It's good. See, God's not behind you going, yeah, we'll see if that works. <laughs> no, God's ahead of you going, come on, I'm already over here. Yeah. Go ahead and read John 10 where it says the good shepherd goes ahead of us. Yeah. Come on, he goes before us. Yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, e even in, in, in military and in law enforcement, they're going to go in and make sure the place is, is clear before they send somebody of, of great value into that place. God's not going to send you in there to the wolves and you come out with arrows stuck in you and, and your hair half burnt off and go, God, why didn't you check this place out before? <laughs> no, he, he says he's beckoning us onward to Jesus. Look what Paul said, I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Come on, some of you just need to make that your, your, your mantra for, for this new year. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. <laughs> Come on, I'm pressing. I'm straining. So we have to determine to leave the past in the past and begin to live in the tense that God has called us to live in. We're going to live in the present. We're going to live in the now. That means there's more ahead of you than what lies behind you. Y'all remember the story in Genesis 19 about Lot's wife? I'm not going to read it to you, but it basically goes like this. God had spoke to Lot 
to go somewhere different than where he was. So now he has the task of getting those to follow him. As a pastor, I know what that's like. Your pastors know what that's like. God's given you a direction, and now you got to convince people to follow you. So here's, here's Lot's wife. Bible says she looked back. The only instruction that they were told is go over there and don't look back. That's it. He didn't, he didn't say you have to go at this pace. You have to run at a certain, certain rate. You know, like I, I, I've been running for a training for a half marathon, and part of my training is, is pace training. So my coach will say, all right, you got to run eight miles today, but you got to run each mile at this pace. And I'm like, can I just go run eight miles? Right? When before I was like, isn't one mile enough? You know, but the angel of the Lord didn't say you have to wear a certain type of clothes when you run or, or, or you have to look a certain. He just said, go over there and don't look over there. Seems simple to me. So everyone does it but her. Bible says that, that she took off in the direction. She obeyed partially. But then it says she turned and looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. Some commentaries de describe the pillar of salt. Not As a child, I thought it was like a pile of salt. Like, here is a pile of salt. It describes it as a statue. A statue. That would mean that if anyone was to walk by after that, they would have seen a statue of someone that was in the posture of the past. They were stuck in the posture of the past. I wonder how many Christians are stuck in the posture of the past. That if you were to look at them spiritually, they may look like they're going somewhere naturally, but spiritually they're stuck in the past. They, they can't get past the past, right? And here's Lot's wife. She's assumed the posture of the past. See, looking back paralyzes you from moving forward into what lies ahead. It paralyzes you. That's what fear does. Fear is a paralyzing agent. But I came to tell you tonight, faith will mobilize whatever fear paralyzes. The moment faith kicks in, you just get that thing from park right into drive, and you take off into what God's called you to do. Amen. And so in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible instructs us to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Look what he says. And lean not on your own understanding. You know, even the Bible says there's, there's a path that seems right. It seems right. You ever said that? This seems good. Someone wants to date your child. He seems okay. Yeah, be careful what it seems. Go by what you know. I mean, one of my favorite uh, uh, cereals as a kid was Fruit, uh, Fruit Loops, right? And Toucan Sam. Remember Toucan Sam? He would always come on the commercial, follow your nose. Well, he was talking about your nose, like the smell of, of, of the fruit. Follow your nose. But I believe as Christians, we got to follow our nose. We, we got to go by what we know. Right? I mean, the Bible says this one thing I know, right? Yes. Talks about this, this is the confidence I have. Yes. I mean, even Paul talked about, I, I know this. Like, I may not know all those things, but one thing I do know is this. I do know God is faithful. Yes. I may not know how it's going to work out, but I know God is my provider. Yes. I may not know how I got in this mess, but I do know he's my deliverer. He'll get me out. 
And although it looks like I'm in a valley and there's death all around me, one thing I know is I'm not going to fear because he's with me. Right? You got to follow the things you do know. So he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Look at this. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. You're like, okay, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know what's ahead of me, but, man, I'm going to trust you. Listen, I get in my car. Now, I know I'm, I may be from a different generation, but I get in my car, and I just tell the car where I want to go, and I have complete trust that that robot with a female voice, women are always telling me what to do, are going to get me where I need to be. No joke. I remember one time I, I, I was driving with my pastor, Pastor Mark Hankins, and so he said, uh, you know how to get there? I said, yes, sir. He said, where's your atlas? I said, Atlas? You ain't got an Atlas? I got an iPhone. He said, pull over, go to Walmart, we're buying you an Atlas. I said, Pastor, that's a waste of money. I'm never going to read that thing. He said, every man needs an Atlas. And it's, it's no joke. We will, I will be with him, and he'll buy an, a, an updated version. I'm like, to me, if you bought one, it should be good, right? But, you know, though, there's new roads, but that's what we call updates on the phone, right? <laughs> Version 10.1, we're good. But how many of you tonight, you came to church and you didn't even think twice that that seat was going to hold you when you sat down? You just trusted. You just sat down. Come on, you'll go on a trip. You'll tell it where you want to go. And what's one thing it asks you? It, it wants to know your destination, but where does it calculate it from? Your current location. That means no matter where you are, God can get you to where you need to be if you simply trust. And, and if that road closed or if there's traffic, guess what? You still trust. He'll take you on an alternating route. He'll recalculate your route, and he'll get you where you, and if you screwed up and you thought you knew what you were doing and you turned on a road that you thought was right, guess what? If you'll still trust, he'll recalculate you and get you right back on track. He said, in all your ways, in your ways of finances, in your ways of health, in your ways of relationships, in your ways of business, in every way you do it, he said, trust me, and I'll direct your path. Amen. And so looking ahead, guess what it requires? Trust. Trust. Come on, he says, look, there's a wilderness, but I'll make a pathway. But most people will go, well, God, I can't go that way. I mean, it's full of trees. He said, no, 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 just go. Just trust me. Well, God, why would I go over there? It's a dry wasteland. He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm leading you there. And when you get there, there will be a river. I will create it. Can you trust me enough? To believe that the direction I'm pointing you, the threshold of what's to come, has something in store for you. So God directs our paths when we trust him. That's what he said. If you'll trust me in all your ways, he said what's going to happen is I will direct your path. So when we acknowledge him, that's what he said, in all your ways acknowledge me. When we acknowledge him, he directs us. So some of us aren't getting directed. Because he's not getting acknowledged. And it's real simple. Just to say, God, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you. Right? 
I preached a message not too long ago, and it's because God was stirring some things in, in my heart. In small decisions of my day, the Holy Spirit corrected me. He said, you didn't, you didn't fear me in that decision. And I thought, well, hold up a second. I mean, it was a pretty simple decision. I had the money. It was for sale. And I bought it. <laughs> right? I mean, I got a good deal on it. Yeah, but you didn't ask me. I remember as a pastor, when we first started our church, I was believing God for, for some money to come in because we had no instruments. We, we, we were just raising money. For, I mean, to buy a rug was a big deal for us. And so what I wanted, I, I, don't, I don't have cheap taste because God don't have cheap taste, right? So I wasn't trying to go buy, buy a drum set that I found at a garage sale. No, I wanted the best. And so I, I, I'm believing God. And, and this lady comes to our church, and, and she writes a big check. And I said, oh, my God. So I, I did what we always do. I took, uh, we, we give the first 20% of whatever comes in in the world mission. So I took 20%. I sent it out to some missionaries. And I said, now, God, look. Whoo, man. You know what I see? I see a drum set. I see a keyboard. I see the best microphones. Man, my music team was excited. I went out. I bought everything. We paid cash for it. I brought it up. I celebrated. I showed the church. Our band went to the next level. Worship went to the next level. It all sounds great, doesn't it? And it was great. But then three months later, like the finances just went. And here I go to God. God, I need you to provide. And he said, I did. I sent it to you three months ahead because I saw it coming. You never even asked me. And I said, yeah, but God, doesn't worship sound good? I mean, it's got to be music to your ears, right? I mean, I, I don't know, forgive me for I know not what I do. And he still made a way. But you know how many times we've done things and haven't acknowledged him before we did it? Now, on the flip... How about what he's done and we don't acknowledge it? It's almost like, well, that's just what you do. You're God. You're supposed to take care of me. Yeah, but how about you build an altar and worship? How about you thank him for the victory? How, how about you give him some praise for the breakthrough? How, how about you take just a moment to acknowledge that you're not where you used to be, living like you used to live, dealing with what you used to deal with? He said, if you'll just acknowledge me, man, I'll direct you, right? That's why when you're driving, we went to Disney World not too long ago, and so, uh, and I was right down the road from y'all, so when we pulled up, they told me, they said, if you will put your hazards on, then that guy up there will know where to direct you. So what I have to do, I had to acknowledge him. So I put my hazards on, and he looked at me, he goes, hey, you go right over there. I knew where to go. But if not, I'm be driving around going, where do I go? I don't know where to go. God, I'm just going to park and just believe this is the right place. <laughs> right? Sometimes we do those things. He said, no, you just acknowledge me. So when we acknowledge him, he directs us. Now, in Psalm 32, verse 8, he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And he said, I will guide you with my eye. You ever heard somebody say, they sure got an eye for those things. He said, I'll guide you with my eye. See, God's got a vantage point you don't have. He's got an eye for detail that you don't have. He can see things you don't see. And what he says, he says, I will instruct you and teach you. That means don't go into a new year without looking to God for instruction and guidance. 
Not only that, but that new path is a path that you're not going to fully be all educated on before you go. And so some people won't step out until they have everything in line. But he said, no, as you go, I'll instruct you. And I'll teach you. That means there's things you're not going to learn until you go. There's things you won't know until you step out, until you trust. Amen. Again, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 says, look straight ahead. Come, we're going to give you some word tonight. He says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. I mean, how many scriptures do we have to look at tonight that, that keep telling us, don't look back. Look ahead. Fix your eyes. I remember when, when we had our first child and the doctor told my wife, he said, look straight ahead and just find a spot on that wall and just stare at it. And don't take your eye off that spot. And you focus. And if you'll focus long enough, you're going to give birth to something. Let me tell you something tonight, church. If you'll focus long enough on something that's ahead of you, you're going to give birth to something great. That vision, that promise, that thing God has told you, it's, it's, it comes through focus. It comes through persistence. It comes through pressing. It comes through believing and trusting that what's ahead of me is far greater than what's behind me. Amen. In the first chapter of Deuteronomy, I'll close with this. God spoke to Moses about his current season and the location in his life. You know, God cares about your season. I mean, God, God knows your season. He knows your location. So God comes down and he begins to talk with Moses and he's, he's telling him some things. And he, we get to verse 6 and this is what he says to Moses. He says, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. I mean, know, God, God knows when you need to move. He said, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. Look what he says in the next verse. It's time to break camp and to move on. He said, you've been here long enough. Tonight, I came to tell you, church, that the same God that spoke to Moses is speaking to you tonight. And I believe he's telling you, you stayed at this mountain or you stayed at this threshold long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Now, where you've been may have been great. This may be the best year you've ever had. But God said, we're not staying here. This may have been your worst year. Guess what? God just showed up. And he said, now you, you've been here too long. I've watched this long enough. Now, why would he have to say that unless somebody got comfortable? Or thought there was no hope for change. God will show up on, on site in your season. In your location and say it's time to break camp and move on. Breaking camp meant we've got to unsettle what you've settled. See, some people will say things in a church like, well, this is how we've always done it. Right? Well, yeah, but now you're focused on the past. Well, this seems like it's always worked. Why do we want to change it? It's time to break camp and move on. That's why even Isaiah said, lengthen your cords. Meaning, well, if you're going to stay here, we're at least going to get bigger. Strengthen your stakes. Why? Because he says we need to make some room for our growing family. 
That means in order for things to grow, things have got to expand. Things have got to be mobile. They've got to be willing to change. They've got to be willing to press and go forward without looking back. It's time to walk into the promised land. It's time to go to look at what what lies ahead of us. I believe God's given us the, the ability to move on and to go forward in our lives in the direction that he has for us. You know, even a computer has a problem with freezing up. You ever had a, a, your screen, your computer screen freeze? So the developers, the programmers of computers found out that that's not what people like. <laughs> they don't want to stay on that screen longer than they have to. So what they determined is they developed a sequence, a, a, a key function that will disrupt that freeze. It's called Control-Alt-Delete. But for you Mac users, there's a different function, right? Control-Alt-Delete. Your, your screen's frozen. They said you don't have to let it freeze. You know what some people do when their screen freezes? They go, oh, computers, I don't like them. And they just walk away. I'm not going to use them anymore. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do this computer. I'm old school. I'm from the notepad days and the pen days and the pencil days. And we're just going to go back to there. Right? But God, God has given us the ability to move forward. See, you've got something on the inside of you that when, when you don't work right and you, you freeze up and, and you keep displaying the same image for long enough, God has put something in you called faith that will show up and say it's time to break camp and to move on. The greater one that lives on the inside of you. What did Paul tell Timothy? He said, look, man, I know what's in you. I laid my hands on you. I know what your grandma gave you. I know what your mom gave you. But what I'm hearing about is this timidity and this fear that God did not give you a spirit of fear. So he said, let me remind you to stir up, to fan into flames the gift of God. And then he instructed him, you need to guard what's been entrusted to you. The word of God that's been given to you is exactly what's needed for you to rise up and to do what you're called to do. But he allowed fear to cause him to settle. When you've been seeing the same results over and over and over again, God wants to come and disrupt that function. He wants to interrupt a function, a dysfunction, and he wants to get you going where you need to be. Yes. Amen. So we have to learn to interrupt the functions of the past and to move into the promises that await us. So what's happened has already happened. It's done, right? There's no changing it. But what we can change is if it's going to repeat. Amen. You understand, you're, you're one decision away from God bringing you into a place that he says, this is what I've been trying to get you all along. I just needed you to trust me. I just needed you to recognize that there is a threshold of what's to come. And we can stand at it, and we can stare at it, and we can go, you know, I just don't know what's beyond this door. So I'm going to hang out in what's comfortable or 
I'm going to step over into something that's new. But see, to go somewhere higher, if you've ever climbed a mountain, you may have started off with a backpack. But when you get up to the top, you're going to lose your backpack, you're going to lose your jacket, you're going to lose your gloves. Why? Because the higher you go, the more things you're going to have to leave behind. Matter of fact, if you're going to climb Mount Everest, they have what they call base camps. And these are certain camps that you must stop at because you've got to acclimate to that altitude. Right? But what happens is some people just stay there. They determine, you know what, this is high enough. I mean, it's higher than where I started, right? I mean, let's just reason ourselves into, we progressed. We didn't reach the top, but how many people didn't even do what we did, right? And we reason, we excuse ourselves from reaching the goal. But Paul said, no, I've set marks, and so I press towards the mark for the prize. That means we have to get past our history, and we've got to start writing the next chapter of our lives. Get off that page. Turn the page. Begin writing the story that's yet to be written about what God's going to do through you and as a result of your trust and your obedience. Word of life, I believe there's a threshold that this church is at right now. I believe it individually. I believe it corporately. I believe it's time to start living the life God's called you to live now. Now. So that means we're going to get past the things that are old. We're going to get past the things. And old doesn't just mean, uh, you know, uh, it's been around for a long time. It just means it's not new. Right? I mean, you could go buy a brand new car and drive it home and it's, it's used. And we can learn from the old. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about the, 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 the rugged path, the old rugged path, the tried, the, the, the proven path. See, we're not trying to change the message, right? But sometimes the methods need to be tweaked. And what God's wanting to do in and through you is not change you or turn you into somebody in, in, in which, uh, you know, you don't want to be. God's just telling you he's not comfortable with you staying where you are. Why is that? Because he's an ever-increasing and ever-growing God. I saw something the other day online that they have, they sent out a, a probe like in the 1970s in outer space. And it's already logged like 11 billion miles. And it still is, is going. I mean, the, 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 the universe... The depths, the things we have no clue about, how far we can go. It's amazing what God can do in our lives if we would just trust that he's bigger than, than us. And I'll say this tonight. If you don't mind, let's just bow our heads for a moment. I'll say this to you tonight. I truly believe that God, individually, I know this can be a corporate message, but let's take it individually for a moment. I truly believe that God is looking at your situation. He's looking at your season right now. 
Erase everyone else in the room. It's just you and God right now. And he's saying, hey, it's time. You've been here long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. You may be at the best you've ever been. Acknowledge him. Give him glory. Thank him for it. And he'll say, you think that's good? Look what I've got in store for you. Just when you think it would be great, God says, no, I've got more. Just when you thought he did all he could ever do, he says, you think that's all I got? That was just to get you prepared for what's to come. God is ready. He's saying, can you see it? Don't you see I've already begun? Don't look at it as a wilderness. Look at it as a pathway. Don't look at it as a wasteland. Look at it as a river. There's substance. There, there's fulfillment. There's life. He says, can you see the potential? Can you see what I've got for you? I'm telling you, this church is going to a whole new level. And it's because you're going to a whole new level. Tonight, if you've been stuck in an area and you say, I want to get unstuck. I, I want to interrupt the, the function of being frozen in this, this what seems to be a, a museum of the past. I want to quit meditating on, on the past and I want to look ahead to what lies ahead of me. If that's you tonight, you say, I just, I want to go forward. I, I want to quit living in the past. Just raise your hand tonight. You say, I want to go into some new things. Come on, I believe God is seeing that. And I believe your hand is you acknowledging him right now. Say, God, I trust you. I'm trusting you. Wherever you need me to go, whatever you need me to do, whatever you tell me, I trust you. I know you're faithful. I know you'll do it. You've been there before. You're ahead of me, beckoning me on, telling me, come on, you can do this. It was Paul that said in all those things where I'm pressing towards the mark, he said, but I know I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. And then he talked about him being the one that supplies his needs. Strength comes. Strength is here. But maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know, Pastor Caleb, I, that trust thing is hard for me. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. I don't even know if I'm right with God, but I need to get right. Maybe tonight you're at a place where maybe you don't know if you were to leave this place tonight and you were to die. Where would you be? Would it be heaven? Would it be hell? If you don't have a, a complete assurance, we can take care of that tonight. Never leave the presence of God, not certain if you're right with him. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He cares for you. He has a place for you. This is his house. And in his house, there's provision. There's fullness of joy. Tonight, if you need to give your life to Christ, maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, maybe you're here rededicating yourself. I got good news for you. The Bible says he's married himself to the backslider. That means you may have left him. You may have cheated on him. But he's not breaking covenant. He's not divorcing you. He's not leaving you. There, there's no uh, making you sleep on the couch. No, he says you come home. Just like the father welcomed the prodigal son. The prodigal son made a decision. He said, I will arise and I will go to my father's house. If that's your decision tonight and you say I need to give my life to Jesus Christ, whether it's the first time or you say I'm rededicating my life to him tonight, if that's you, just raise your hand. Anybody at all, you say I'm getting things right tonight. Maybe you're 
Amen. Hands are going up. Maybe you're watching online and you say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer that I'm going to invite your pastor to come back up. Because I believe God is taking you and he's taking this church over this threshold. Leaving one year and entering into something brand new. Something greater. Let's say this together with those that made a decision tonight. Let's say this corporately. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me, to raise for me, to give me victory. Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I'll never be the same. I'm forever changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give them a hand tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to www.wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.